0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, July 2nd, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court has agreed to take a case that may have profound implications for public sector unions and the workers who are compelled to support them. Andrew Grossman, an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute, evaluates the case of Fredericks versus California Teachers Association.
1: There are two questions before the court. The first is whether um, public sector uh, labor unions, um, in conjunction with public sector employers, uh, can exact union dues uh, from uh, public workers. And the second question is whether, with respect to those exactions, uh, whether employees who don't want to uh, contribute political funds or possibly even uh, any funds at all to the labor union can be required uh, to opt out of doing so rather than the union being required to obtain their affirmative consent.
0: Part of the issue then, uh is whose burden it is in order to make the decision that they want.
1: That's exactly right. In this context, unlike every other one, um, the current law pretty much assumes that uh, in public sector employees are willing to simply waive their First Amendment rights, that they may or may not agree with what the union is saying on their behalf. They may or may not agree with even the political determinations that the union makes um, and – the law will simply presume that they're willing to waive their rights and subsidize that speech and give the union um, their consent to do so.
0: So what is the status of the law on this question? I know that the Supreme Court has heard several cases in recent years that, that speak to this issue, but where are we now?
1: Well, just three terms ago, you had a breakthrough case called Knox versus Service, uh, SEIU. Um, and in that case, the court realized that the, the, the law that allows um, this this opt-out approach that currently prevails uh, was really just the result of chance over the years and was never uh, based on a considered application of First Amendment principles. Uh, the court effectively stumbled into it because these original opt-out regimes uh, were imposed on statutes uh, that never allowed any such thing as the courts came to recognize the First Amendment interest uh, entailed uh, in forcing people to pay for other uh, – for labor unions' political expenditures. Um, and so this is something that uh, for the – probably for the first time ever, the court is going to consider in a head, head-on manner.
0: What is the possible effect on public sector unions uh, if the court goes one way or another?
1: Well, certainly on the opt-in, opt-out issue, uh, it could be enormous. Um, the labor unions have been very candid that they rely on the inertia uh, of employees Um, to continue uh, collecting dues, even from those who don't necessarily support their political activities. Um, And To say that the labor unions don't make it easy to opt out of paying for their political expenditures would probably be the understatement of the century. Uh, The forms that they offer are confusing. They're hard to get. They have a limited period uh, where people are allowed to opt out. Basically, they do everything the courts will possibly allow them to do to prevent people from exercising their free choice as to what type of speech they will subsidize.
0: And it's a very interesting uh, process, uh, as you have noted, which is uh, it takes a long time to Until it's – you have an opportunity to express yourself and when you are given that opportunity uh, and when when you assert that opportunity, it can be very confusing about what it is you are actually asserting.
1: That's exactly right. Uh, Under the current – what's called the Hudson Notice uh, rule that we have now, um, labor unions only have to offer workers an annual opportunity to work out. And sometimes it's not apparent when that is. Uh, sometimes the form doesn't come in the mail until a day or two before the conclusion of the period. And frequently when you do get the form and you and you understand you know, in general what it is you have to do and you're inclined to, to opt out because you maybe you disagree with the union's political stances, um, then you read the question. And the question might have a double negative, it might have a triple negative. Um, you pretty much have to have a lawyer in the room standing behind you to explain to you what it is you're actually doing.
0: So there are several steps then in many cases between you wanting to opt out and you actually doing so and presumably the the odds of you getting through all of those hurdles are pretty low.
1: It's not easy and the courts have had to supervise this at every turn. And I think that just demonstrates really the anomalous state of the the First Amendment interested issue here. you know The courts are you know, micromanaging having to supervise all the little details of this regime that is set up in such a way as to violate people's First Amendment rights. When you flip the presumption around, it works much more neatly. People who want to fund the union's political spending will know that and they'll be able to do it. And the union, of course, will make it easy for them to express that preference. People who don't want to won't see their rights violated on, a, on an annual basis.
0: For your side of this case, what uh, do you think is the best case scenario?
1: Well, the best case scenario um, would be a positive decision on both questions. Um, you know, there's the question about whether, the, uh, whether public sector employees can be forced to pay exactions at all uh, to labor unions. Under the laws that currently exist, um, you have an arrangement called an agency shop where a worker can opt out of political expenditures but still has to pay for what are called collective bargaining expenses. Uh, Those expenses, however, it's not just bargaining, it's a variety of political activities, just things that aren't overtly political like giving money to a political campaign. Um, If the court decides that issue against the labor unions, it would be a very major change in the law. Um, First of all, it would certainly uh, vindicate workers' First Amendment interests. Right now, this is uh, the kind of uh, subs- subsidizing of speech on public issues that right, that um, workers have no way of escaping from. Um, if you're a public sector uh, employee and you're subject to a unionization requirement, you have to pay that money even as it's used to subsidize speech on issues like pensions or teacher tenure, um, uh, private schooling, school choice, even as it's used to subsidize speech on all of these different issues that from your point of view are very political issues and that maybe maybe you don't necessarily agree with the labor union. Um, In terms of the politics of it, Well, it it would certainly be a very big blow uh, to public sector labor unions, which you know it's really been the growth area for labor unions, uh, particularly um, you know in recent decades that they've declined uh, in the private sector. So financially, it would be a very large hit.
0: There is another issue here because, as as you note, this is a growth area for uh, unions, but there is an interest that is not even at the table when uh, collective bargaining is undertaken and that's the taxpayer.
1: That's exactly right. And the system is rigged right now really to exclude that kind of public interest from being represented. Um, On the one hand, you know, you've got the politicians. um, And on the other hand, you've got a single constituency, um, the labor union representing public sector employees. So, of course, they want uh, more pay. They want higher pensions. um, They want uh, less accountability. Um, They don't want to compete with the private sector. Uh, So those are the kinds of interests that get represented at these types of negotiations. But how how any of those things further the public interest in any instance, that's the voice that simply doesn't get heard, Uh, even though these are issues, of course, of just manifest public interest.
0: Andrew Grossman is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.